Come on now, New Spring, if you're thankful for God's Word, can you lift up some praise this morning? Yes. All right, you can go ahead and take a seat at, at every campus. Um, welcome in. And Seth, I just want to tell you, thank you for reading that word for us and for putting pressure on me to pronounce all of those names correctly because you nailed those. All right, well, good morning, everybody, and welcome uh, to New Spring. If, if you're just joining us, we are in this, this City of God series uh, where we are taking the the book of Nehemiah and seeing what we can learn about bringing the kingdom of God into our current context, our current families, our jobs, our businesses, our world. And I think like the normal preacher thing to say is, hey, I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope you have. I hope you've enjoyed this series. But even more than that, honestly, I hope uh, that you've been affected by it. I hope that the Holy Spirit has quickened something inside of you. And my prayer is that today, whatever has been started inside of you as a result of this series would be quickened and would be activated by the Holy Spirit today. So let me just catch us up really quick in Nehemiah. And then we got a lot to get through. And we're going to cover a lot of Bible. And if you're okay with that, say amen. All right, so the first, uh, if you've missed any week of this, let me just catch you up really quickly. First of all, in chapter one, Nehemiah, this working man, he hears of the, the wall's destruction in Jerusalem, and he prays for his part to play in it. Then in week two, uh, he gets favor from the king to go and rebuild and be, begins inspection of the walls. In chapter three, he finds people to do this side by side with, to do the building together. In chapter four, um, he faces opposition, but he continues to move forward in the building. In chapter five, he cleans and purifies the people and calls them back to what matters most. And I just want to pause and honor the word that Caleb White brought last week. If you missed it, please go back and watch it. This is not hyperbole. I'm telling you, it is a must watch. It will activate you and convict you appropriately. Honestly, we could just run it back this week and all of us would probably learn something again. Uh, but I also have a word to bring to us today. Next week... We're gonna look at chapters eight through 10 and what happens after they finish the walls. There's this huge celebration. They have this amazing worship service. But this week is a vital week in the construction process of the city of God. It's like the final push and they're rebuilding. So if you will today, we're gonna walk with Nehemiah around the walls of Jerusalem and around the walls of our own culture and see what still is left to be done. And we're going to start in Nehemiah 6, verse 1, because verse 1 is usually a great place to start. All right. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that had built the wall and then there was no breach left in it. Now this parenthesis is important. Although up to that time, I had not set up the doors and the gates. This parenthesis is important because it's showing us what a crucial stage of building this is because the, the wall is done, but the gates are not yet put up. Now, why does this matter so much? Because gates back then were not like the gates in your beautiful garden that you have today, which I am a... I am an unashamed plant fanatic, all right? I have a mild obsession, and if there's anybody in the room who would come with me on that, you love plants, say amen. Yes, oh, my people, I see those hands. Okay, 
So this isn't like gates in your garden or in your home. These would be massive gates that would close the gaps in the wall because the wall was for the protection of the city. But you had to have these gates so that life could still go on. People had to go out of the city to be able to, you know, work their fields or travel or go see family or or whatever. But you still had to have these gates up so that people could get in and out, but that they weren't left vulnerable to attack. And this is a crucial stage in the construction process because so much had been done, but it is crucial right here. And how many times can I say crucial for you to understand how crucial it is for this completion? Because if they did not finish this work, then it might have been that all the other work was for nothing. So let's just survey our own walls really quick. Okay, I wanna celebrate with y'all a little bit what we have seen God do and what we've been a part of building at New Spring Church. I hope it continues to blow our mind that we have 14 campuses across the state. Y'all, there were two when I started attending um, in 2006. We have had nearly 1,800 kids come to Kids Spring for the first time just this year which means many of y'all had quarantine babies, all right? Praise the Lord. We have over 16,000 people who are engaged with our church in serving, giving, or groups. Y'all, 87 students have professed Jesus as Lord just this year in Fuse. Yeah, you can celebrate. (laughs) Rally currently has 644 young adults gathering in 79 groups across the state. 522 people have completed our Connect classes saying they'd like to be a part of this community and come alongside us as we build the kingdom of God. And so far this year, and we just had two more baptisms here in Anderson. I'm not sure how many, um, maybe you had some at your campus today. We have had 305 baptisms so far this year, which is amazing. And we need to celebrate that. We need to continuously look at what God is allowing us to be a part of, but I'm telling you, like Nehemiah, if we sit back and just perceive our walls and our work so far, and we remove our hands from the work, then we may, just may have been doing this work for nothing. Because there are still gaps that exist in our church. There are still open gates. We are still vulnerable. Our work is not yet done. I mean, even over the past year, I know we have seen gaps, and I don't just mean in our church, I mean in the church across the United States specifically. We've seen gaps in our racial unity, gaps in the global church's motivations and methods, gaps in Christian leaders' personal integrity and character, Gaps in how we view our nation in light of our own faith in Christianity. Gaps in true relational intimacy and the sanctity of marriage. Gaps in our personal holiness. Gaps in our desire for pure truth and not just accumulating teachers we like. Gaps, 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 gaps. And I'm encouraging us today that we cannot just sit back and perceive, man, look at these walls. No, we have to beg the Holy Spirit to identify the gaps and show us where to fill them to raise the gates because the work is not yet finished. So today, my message is all about how to not give up until the work is finished. Now, I'm not a construction worker. I'm not Brad, uh, who knows how to use all the tools, but I do have a power drill. But here's here's the main encouragement. The overarching message of the day is this, that when it comes to building the city of God, close does not count. 
When it comes to building the city of God, close does not count. The enemy would love for us to lean back, to perceive our walls, and to not close the gaps. Close doesn't count. We got to finish the work. So I've got four things today to encourage us, to spur us on on how to finish the work. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna believe the Holy Spirit is gonna speak to all of us individually and preach a way better message than I could to each and every one of you. And we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to move. So how to finish building the city of God. Point number one this morning, we've got to dismiss worldly distraction no matter how friendly it may seem. Dismiss worldly distraction no matter how friendly it may seem. We see this in Nehemiah chapter six, verses two through three. It says that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it alone and come down to you? I cannot come down. Now, what we see here is that their enemies also get word of their near completion of the construction of the walls. They also know that this is a crucial stage of building. And so they launch um, an albeit harmless attack on Nehemiah and the people building the walls. Now this doesn't seem to be like an overt attack. It doesn't seem like a big deal. Sam Ballot and Geshem are just like, hey man, like we just wanna talk. We just come down to Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. We just want to chat. And Nehemiah's like, fear him. Oh no, I'm, bad joke. All right, so come on now. I'm not a mom or a dad, but I still love a mom or dad joke. But what you see here, this seemingly harmless attack is destruction by way of distraction. Destruction by way of distraction. And it is one, I'm telling you, it is one of the most harmful things happening to the church in America right now. And I'm not here to get into like um, oppression comparison based on the church and the rest of the world and what the church and Iraq is going through and all that. I don't wanna compare persecution, but what I'm saying is why would the enemy need to launch a full out attack on the church in America when distraction is working just fine? And I wanna invite us, y'all, persecution may be coming, but what are we gonna do when real persecution comes and we have not yet dealt with the distraction? And it's at this point that I have to pause and talk about the Olympics, obviously. Now, I don't know what it is about the Olympics, but nothing makes me more patriotic than the Olympics. I think it's because I used to have a pipe dream of like one day I'm gonna play softball in the Olympics. Didn't happen. Um, Working for a high goal now, Jesus, my crown. All right, so I don't, like some of y'all have tuned out of work to watch the Olympic trials, which I get, it's amazing. Uh, but I don't care so much about anything other than the U.S. women's national team, the soccer team, all right? They're amazing, I just think they're, they're so dope. They are, they're, they've won every medal, they've won four World Cups, they're just amazing. But right now, they've already qualified for the Olympics, so they don't have to do Olympic trials. So what they've been doing is international friendlies. All right, so the other day I, with some friends, watched them play Mexico. They won four to nothing, my girls. Um, and they, so the friendlies, it has nothing to do with your actual record. It doesn't really affect whether you get in or not. But anybody who's an athlete in the room knows that if you play any sport, there is no such thing as a friendly game. 
does not exist. I don't, you can call it international friendly, local friendly, friendly friendliness. I don't, as soon as we step on the field, you are my enemy and I will destroy you. We need to understand church that we have never not once engaged in a friendly competition with the enemy because he has never not once engaged with a friendly competition with you. We have to call him out for the enemy that he is and diminish his voice and engage in the competition. So I'm gonna very quickly hit a few things that may be distracting us that we need to stop engaging with in a friendly manner and claim victory over, okay? Like I said, this is gonna be quick. It's gonna hit some of us. It's gonna hurt and we're just gonna move on. All right. First conversation that may just be destroying us by way of distraction is around politics, just to start light. Now, I know as soon as I say that, that you immediately think through which side I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about any side here. My only encouragement is this, brothers and sisters, that if you have broken fellowship with a brother or sister based on who they voted for, that I would invite you that maybe we're listening to the wrong voice. If I didn't get you there, let's talk about mindless gossip. Where we critique someone else's way of construction instead of looking at our own. And listen, we can look at and critique and call out the way somebody else is living and the way somebody else is constructing. But if we keep looking at one another and mindlessly gossiping, then we will never finish the work. How about purposeless or even perverted speech? Ephesians 4.29 may be one of the most convicting Verses in the Bible, y'all listen to this. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up. How about this one? I should have brought my phone out here. This isn't so much of a conversation, but more of consumption, but the distraction of just this. If you wanna get really convicted, look at that. If you have an Apple device, I don't know about the other devices, it has that, here was your screen time this week. I got it this morning. And I was like, wow, before I preach this, I confess and repent, Lord, help me to cut down the distraction of my screen time. Y'all, we have to close these gaps because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. And think about it this way. The whole way that the fall of humanity started was that Eve decided to engage in a friendly conversation with the enemy. He always has an alternate plan. We cannot get distracted. And I spent way too much time there. Point number two. Once we get rid of those distractions, we have to beg the Holy Spirit to focus us to work for God alone. Look at this in Nehemiah 6, verses five through nine. It says this. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. It was written, it's reported among the nations. And oh, by the way, Geshem also says this, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That's why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, that you wish to become their king. And you've also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem that there's a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things you have said have been done for you inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. Now, 
This open letter was literally just a tool to spread rumors. Samballot and Geshem are trying to lie on Nehemiah. Okay, they're trying to get, literally what would happen is this letter would be passed from person to person to person until it was finally delivered to Nehemiah. It was, it was a beautiful tool for spreading rumors. And they're trying to discourage Nehemiah by getting voices talking around him so that he comes down from building the wall. Things like, hey, we're, we're gonna tell the king that you're doing this for yourself. Which gets the people around him talking. Should, should we... Uh, should we follow this guy? Like if we keep working with Nehemiah, is the king gonna come after us too? Here's the main point here. I'm gonna just not spend as much time here on this point, but it is human nature to want to make the building about us and it's the tactic of the enemy to ensure that that is exactly what we do. Sanballat and Geshem are trying to convince him, like, by ruining your reputation, they're trying to make the building about him. But Nehemiah knew the building was never about him in the first place. So say all you want to say, spread all the rumors that you want to spread. I cannot come down because the king isn't the one who commissioned me to do this in the first place. It was the king, Jesus, who commissioned me to do this in the first place. We have, listen, I get it. This is a time of celebrity Christianity and of influencers and of Instagram posts and of open letters on Facebooks and of cancel coach culture and everything else. But we have to beg the Holy Spirit to not make this work about us. Listen, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna confess here. Nothing can make me want to drop from the work faster than worrying about what you think. If any of us have like a sin stumble, that is consistently one of mine. But the one question that we have to ask, would God be pleased with this work? And that's enough. That's enough motivation. And listen, I feel like I need to forgive us, Holy Spirit. This also goes for the name of New Spring. Listen to us. We, we are not about building the kingdom of New Spring Church, converting more people to New Spring culture, bringing more people into New Spring seats. We are about the name of Jesus and bringing people into his kingdom and to his glory and to his family. Please, Holy Spirit, convict us if this is where we have gotten and brought us back into the reality that we have to work for God and God alone. Will God be pleased? Let them talk. That's Galatians 1.10. We don't work for man, we work for God. We don't work for us, we work for God. We work for God alone. Everybody still okay? Good, because we gotta go to point number three, which is one of the ones I'm most excited about. All right, point number three, we gotta expose the spirit of religion. And I'm gonna come at this right now because he may, me, he may be doing more damage to the kingdom of God than anything else in Southern American church culture. Look at this in Nehemiah chapter six, verses 10 through 13. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehitabel, made it through those names, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let's close the doors of the temple for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambal had hired him. For this purpose, he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way in sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. 
Now there's a lot we could go in in this, but simply what we have here is a good old fashioned false prophet who's bringing a word that seems good, it seems right, it seems protective over Nehemiah. Hey, they're coming to kill you. Why don't you come in here and we will protect you. But in our context, Shemaiah is out here walking around as the spirit of religion. And church family, with as much humility, but as much boldness as I can say, if we do not expose and chase out the spirit of religion in the church in America, we may not finish the work that God has given us to do. Here's what the spirit, the spirit of religion will have us raising our hands in the right places, but holding bitterness in our hearts. It'll have us going through the right motions, saying amens in the right places, serving on a team, and yet not fulfilling the very thing that God invited us to do. I mean, look at this invitation from this false prophet. Hey, Nehemiah, come to the temple and hide. And I'm telling you, the invitation from the spirit of religion in America has been the same thing. Come to church and hide. And we can't, we cannot use the church to hide anymore. This cannot be a place where we come and we get blinded by stage lights, lulled to sleep by worship songs, and use the house of God to hide and pat one another on the back instead of using this as what it was for to equip us, to activate us for the work, and then to go out and to see his kingdom come. We can't hide anymore. And I'm not saying this to shame anybody. I'm not saying this to, to, to pour anything heavy on you. I was blinded by the spirit of religion for years and it kept me from an actual relationship with Jesus. Because you know what? Following the spirit of religion is actually safer. You start following Jesus, things are gonna get unsafe. Your reputation's gonna be on the line. Your comfort's gonna be on the line. Your wallet's gonna be on the line. Your singleness status is gonna be on the line. All of that's on the line. But there's no better cause to live for than the high calling of following Jesus Christ alone. And I'm telling you, y'all, we have seen God build some amazing things through us in the church. But if we don't start making it about the presence of God over anything else, there will be no real progress. If there's no presence, there's no progress. How did Nehemiah know this was the spirit of religion? How do you know? If you remember all the other weeks, if you go read all the other chapters, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was saturated in the presence of God. Every time he had an attack, we see him lead the people in prayer. Every time that he got discouraged, he said, God strengthened my hands. Every time that someone came against him or his own insecurity, he prayed so when a voice came that sounded like it might be the voice of God, he knew immediately that it wasn't because he was a man of the presence and a man of prayer. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us to be people of presence over just progress, people of presence over perfection, people of presence over a presentation, people of presence over performance. Expose the spirit of religion. Don't let him take you out. And I promise you that I'm in that with you. Which leads me to my fourth and final point today. As we expose the spirit of religion, then the only right thing to do is remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Now, 
If you go read Nehemiah, you won't see Jesus' name mentioned anywhere. So we're gonna kind of skirt, skirt out of Nehemiah a little bit because honestly, Nehemiah ends kind of weird. Uh, if you go look at uh, the rest of the book, you'll see that like next week, we're gonna celebrate with them as they completed the construction of the wall. We're gonna celebrate what God has done. We're gonna worship him and give him glory. And that's what they did. They read the word of God. They celebrate together. They, um, they stand like we've been standing for all the reading of the law. They, they worship. They have this beautiful altar call and people come forward and they're snotting and they're like, well, follow. yes, thank you, God. We will continue the work. We will protect our families. Then like three chapters later, they're not doing any of that. Because here's the thing. There's not a message good enough. There's not a leader more clear enough. There's not an altar call good enough to sustain the work like an everyday, everywhere relationship with Jesus Christ, period. There's no leader at this church who's powerful enough to help you sustain your work. There's no message good enough to stir you to be able to go out and do it again for another week. We have to remember Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The one who came and started this kingdom work in the first place, that was his message. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Heaven had come down in the form of a baby, walking in flesh, calling disciples, performing miracles, preaching amazing messages, walking on water, touching people who'd never been touched, loving people who are unlovable, showing us what the kingdom of God was supposed to be and doing it perfectly. But then in the last 48 hours of his life, we see him in his flesh realizing what it was gonna take to finish the work that the Father had sent him to do. Go read the last few chapters of the Gospels. We see the flesh of Jesus in full display. Yes, he was fully God, but sometimes we get so enamored. Again, the spirit of religion calling us to have this, this unfamiliar relationship that Jesus came in flesh. We see him on the night before he was to be arrested and ultimately crucified that he's in a garden with some of his friends and he is tormented over what is about to happen to him. The Bible says that he is weeping, that he, his soul is sorrowful to the point of death, that he's sweating so much that it's like drops of blood. And then we see that these angels come to minister to him and I wonder what the conversation was like. If he's looking at them at guys, I need you to encourage me. I need you to encourage me. I wonder if there was a fallen angel present, Satan himself saying, Jesus, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Why don't you go back to your throne and leave earth to me? But we see our Jesus persevere and not give up. As he is then arrested, he is taken ultimately to Pontius Pilate who declares his condemnation we then see him carry his own cross. He is beaten, he is, he is mocked, and then he's up on the cross moments before his death. And even then people are jeering out at him. Hey, you said you'd destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Why don't you save yourself? If you are the son of God, come on, call down angels. Call down angels to save yourself if you are the son as you said. Can you imagine the temptation in that moment from one who had the power to actually come down and do that? 
What's crazy to me is that Jesus could have come down. Jesus could have said, you know what, okay, and called down legions of angels to lower the absolute boom on everyone who was standing there mocking him. But he knew the kingdom that needed to come through his finished work. And the voice of his father and the faces of everyone in this room were more motivation to him than anything that could have caused him to give up. And so we see in John 19, 30 that he says this. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You know, the way that Jesus gives up is different than the way that we give up. No one took his life from him. He laid it down freely so that he could take it up again. And church in all candor and as a part of this family, without going really into much detail, over the past two months, I have wanted to give up more than I've ever wanted to give up before. I don't say that for pity. I don't say that to make this message about me. I say it to make it about Jesus because this isn't a message that I'm presenting. This is a message that I'm counting on. As ministry gets hard and ministry gets lonely and this following Jesus thing can get difficult and your heart breaks when people you've poured into walk away and your heart breaks when you know that your own sin keeps coming in the way, I am betting on the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna give up because he did not give up. I'm not gonna give up. I'm inviting you, don't you give up. Here's the kind of like encouragement, parting thought. Take this as a mantra for your week, whatever. But here's what I'm betting on, that because Jesus finished his work, I am more than able to finish mine. And because Jesus finished his work, you are more than able to finish yours. If you feel like your hands are weak, why don't you take a new grip this morning? You feel like your knees are buckling, why don't you straighten them again? There's a sin that's been coming back again and again. You feel like it's about to take you out. Don't you give up, you confess again today and beg the Spirit of God for the power of repentance to turn from it. Are you weary from praying for a wayward child? Don't you give up. Are you tired of what the church has become to look like and that you do feel like there's things that need to be deconstructed? Let me tell you, there are things that need to be deconstructed. Every generation will have to deconstruct something that the previous generation did, but don't go do it out there. Stay inside the wall, help us, help us. Call us out, email us, ask for coffee or Frosties or French fries or anything. Don't give up. So I have three questions that are gonna be homework, but I'm also gonna ask the Holy Spirit to do some work right now before we pray and we worship. And we can actually throw all of those up there at once. And I'm just gonna invite everybody to look at these.
And as you look at these, I would ask you to really ask the Holy Spirit to search you and see one of these that you, maybe you need to get some help on. Maybe you just need to worship your heart out in this next one because you feel like you're about to give up on something, but you don't want to. Let me tell you, worship is warfare and you sing like you need it after this. Maybe you know someone who you know is about to give up. What if your word of encouragement could help them not give up? So right now as we sing, heaven found me, we're gonna remember Jesus together. The founder and perfecter of our faith. The one who started this and the one who completed this, he is more than able to help you finish the work. Because the world may be trying to talk us out of this, but like Peter, when given the invitation to leave, I hope we'll look back at Jesus and say, where else would we go? For only you have the words of eternal life. So every campus, I'm gonna invite you, the altar is open. If you need to come down here as a sign of submission for the Holy Spirit to fill you with strength again, if you need to grab a friend and go to the care and prayer room and just pray it out, if you need to lay on your face, if you need to shabak, whatever you need to do in this next time, church, we have work to finish, but we are more than able, amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we honor you now, your name, your work, your power, your authority, your grace, your kindness, your friendship. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would chase away all discouragement, any thought of not wanting to embarrass ourselves with the person next to us. I pray that you would chase away right now, fresh wind, chase out the spirit of religion that exists in any of us. Would you fill us afresh and anew with the Holy Spirit of God? I pray for my brothers and sisters who feel like they're about to give up. Would you right now, Holy Spirit, breathe fresh wind inside of them? Anyone who has given up, would they not feel shame as a result of this message? But they, would they remember the testimony of Peter who seemingly gave up, but Jesus went and found him too once again? The invitation is still open. And then Holy Spirit, would you activate us to the good work of the kingdom of God for it is worth it. We love you. We remember you now. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.